Welcome to Infinity War and Beyond, the podcast where we subject ourselves to every Marvel Cinematic Universe film, one Marvel Studio film a week, until we reach the blatant grab for cash that is Avengers Infinity War. I'm Christoph, I'm going to be the host this week um, as we look at Captain America Civil War. As always, joining me is my co-host, Billy. Hello. How you going, Billy? I'm good, how are you? You know what, I'm getting... I'm getting tired. We've done a lot of these films, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure I've mentioned this before. But the like at this point, the cogs are very much showing. Having watched so many of these films in succession, yes. I'm noticing the similarities. I'm noticing the threads, and I'm noticing the flaws. Yep. Well, I don't know about flaws. I mean, I know I'm the you know eternal you... optimist, but I do notice some cracks. But no, I mean they're not all flaws. Okay, I'll give you an example of something I've really noticed, uh, which is the the fact that a lot of the villains are mediocre, and specifically the fact. And Kevin Feige's come out and said this, so this isn't like a, a big a new I will great agree. observation. I will agree. I will but agree. it's the fact that the villains exist to serve the hero, mm-hmm. and so really the villains are just a glorified plot device. Uh, in this film, I think that's very much true. And in a lot of the, a lot of the other films as well, like I well, we discussed I mean, last week. I mean, in this film, the villain is still alive at the end of it. Zemo, yeah, he is. Mm. Uh, yeah, I. And he did succeed in what he wanted to do. But here's the thing: it's very obvious that that's not what Zemo wanted to do. That's what they needed to do for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna argue that I think the breakup of the Avengers felt very manu- like very manufactured, and. No. No. Look, we'll, we'll we'll talk about it in pickups. Okay, but right. for new new, new listeners, okay. we disagree a lot. I mean, that's that's part of the shtick. Yes. Uh you are. So how you look? How are you feeling at this point about I'm, all the films? I'm enjoying. I've been enjoying this podcast. I don't know about you. I enjoy hanging out with you. I being forced to watch a movie each week is I am not getting a little bit forcing tiresome. you to watch a movie every week. You know what? I care about you, and I care about I care about this project. So okay. that's why I watch the that's why I watch the films. Because I'm, <laughs> but I will, yeah, I will whinge about them. Yeah, I know. Really, really. Oh, just really let, let's go back an episode and see if you whinge there as well. All right, look, let let let's jump into the trailer, why don't we? Okay. This job, we try to save as many people as we can. Sometimes that doesn't mean everybody, but you don't give up. New York, Washington, D.C., Sokovia. Okay, that's enough. Captain, people are afraid. That's why I'm here. We need to be put in check. Whatever form that takes, I'm game. I'm sorry, Tony. If I see a situation pointed south, I can't ignore it. Sometimes I wish I could. Sometimes I want to punch you in your perfect teeth. I know we're not perfect. But the safest hands are still our own.
the whole world was wrong about you. They're coming for you. I'm not the one that needs to watch their back. This doesn't have to end in a fight, Tony. You just started a war. Stay down. Final warning. I could do this all day. I've run out of patience. On the roof! Hey, everyone. All right, so now we're going to jump into context where we talk about box office stats and sort of what the world was like when the film came out in the yeah. yesteryear year that was 2016. So the film came out in 2016. It certainly did. May 6th. Yeah. Do you remember what it was like leading up to this movie? It felt big, right? Yeah, it did. It did. And of course, I think the biggest thing this film did was it sort of came out, I guess, six months, maybe a year or so after we found out about the deal with Sony where they could bring Spider-Man into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, so there is some sort of... Yeah, we found out about it. I'm so sure it was in the works before yeah, then. I've got some info on that like oh. for a while. So basically, so following the November 2014 hacking of Sony computers... Emails between Sony Pictures Entertainment, Amy Pascal, and President Doug Belgrade were released stating that Marvel wanted to include Spider-Man, whose film rights are licensed to Sony, mm. in the film um, Civil War. Uh, but talks between the, stu- to, between the studios concerning this were believed to have broken down. However, in February 2015, Sony Pictures and Marvel Studios reached a licensing deal for the use of Spider-Man in an MCU film. And reports indicated that the character would appear in Civil War. The, Rus- the Russos said that they stated that they were lobbying for months to include the character in the film. Now, apparently, like, they really wanted Spider-Man in it. Okay, that surprises me, because I'm going to be honest, Spider-Man feels very tacked on in this film, so I always just assumed that they got the rights and then... Slid no, into the film. apparently no. The, the Roosters really wanted Spidey to be part of it. Wow. Because Spidey was That's... such a big inaugural thing in the Civil War but, comics. Yeah, but they don't... They, I, We'll talk about it in pickups, I guess. But, like, they completely misuse the character. Like, he... Like, the whole Civil War is sparked by Tony Stark realising he, like, basically led to the murder of... He murdered a child because of what he did in Sarkovia. Yeah. And then... But then he's totally okay enlisting Spider-Man. It's... It's so... It's absolutely stupid. So, it genuinely surprises me that they always were planning well, no, on feel, doing this. I feel... Yeah. Uh, look, we'll get into it. Yeah. Okay. Into I'm it. sorry. I'll, I'll calm down a little bit. Yeah. Take a chill pill. <laughs> Chill out, like the Winter Soldier does between missions. Oh, what a what a, a fun joke, Billy. That was really great. I'm just saying you're cold-hearted, like Russian... Like a, like a Russian uh, assassin? Yeah. All right, but sorry. Then, you I'll... know, assassins meet their targets, unlike you with your jokes. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. <laughs> well, all right, look, let's, let's get back into it, why don't we? Uh, um, yeah, so yeah. they reached this licensing deal. Yeah, so, I mean, it took them, took them a while, but apparently also while... 
backwards and forwards the deal was changing all the time and look from all the information that came out of that sony hacking thing the people behind sony not the greatest well i mean you just have to look at all the movies that come out from sony a lot of the times they're mostly shit well even like their re- their short lived reboot of Spider Man with Andrew Garfield was very average. The first one was all. Well, the first one was good. The second one, not so you know, much. the problem with the first one is that they did an origin story again. Whereas yeah. when Marvel did Spider Man Homecoming, they like it's they a long knew story. they knew that it was saturated. They actually said that it's a long story. Oh yes, they did too. Yeah, but when we talk about Homecoming, I would be keen to talk about sort of how they handled Spider Man and what was I really thought, clever about the yeah. handling of that. Um. But yeah, basically, Sony Sony didn't really know what to do with Spider Man. Mm. They couldn't do it correctly. Yeah. So the director and screenplay teams for Captain America's Wall, the same ones behind Captain America: First Avenger and Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Yeah, who for the most part have been sticking the landings with these films. They've yeah. been good, solid films. So Anthony Joe Russo, uh, Russo. Yep. Um, as the directors. So they're of You Me and Dupree, Cap Civil War, Avengers. Still so weird to me that someone's sort of like yeah, You Me and Dupree was like, let's get these guys for Captain America. Like TV, <laughs> Arrested Development, Community, Happy Endings. Oh. It's funny that you mention Arrested Development because the Bluth stair car is in the uh, airport. Yes. It's a, it's a very tiny Easter egg. I didn't yeah. see it in the film, but they put it... Like, I saw it in screen caps online. Yeah. But intro, fun, funny enough. Um, and the screenplay is by your favourite duo, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Why are they my... Oh, Mc, <laughs> McFeely. Um, Sorry, I so was yeah. like, why are they my favourite duo? And that's why, because McFeely is funny to me. Yeah, so they're part of the three cut films, Avengers 3, um, the upcoming Avengers 3. Yes. Um, four after it, and they also created Agent Carter. Okay. Um, they Interesting. There you go. So, box office-wise... Yeah, let's, um, talk, let's talk box office numbers. So, the budget for the film was $250 million. That's And that's a big budget. And I feel like it's a big budget because we've talked about this. There's the Iron Man and War Machine Factor. Yes. And both of them are a lot to animate. All of... Yeah. Uh, we need to talk about that as well in the in the in the movie. It will be going to pick up. Yes, certainly. Um, box office, it made one point one five three billion dollars. So correct me if I'm wrong, but these are sort of Avengers numbers in terms yeah. of how good this movie is doing. Okay, so for comparison, so the budget for this was two fifty million. Yes. Um, Cap Cap's first movie budget was one hundred and forty. Mm-hmm. Cap's second movie budget, so Winter Soldier. Was one hundred and seventy-seven million. So this is a big, a big jump of eighty million. Yeah, um, and the box office for each of those films were three hundred seventy point six million, mm-hmm. seven hundred fourteen point three million. Now, Avengers, the first Avengers film budget was two twenty million. Okay. Box office one point five. Oh wow! So this did Avengers one numbers. Yep. Avengers: Age of Ultron budget was three hundred sixteen million. Yep. And box office was one point four. So this did just under Avengers one, Avengers one budget, um, and sorry, this did just over Avengers one budget, but under Avengers: Age of Ultron, and made a little bit less than Avengers one. But then also Iron Man isn't in his suit in this film as he is in the pre in like say for example Age- Avengers: Age of Ultron and Avengers. Yeah, he they deliberately sort of keep him out of his suit for a lot of this film. Yeah. Um, 
Interesting. Uh, so something I wanted to sort of also. Oh, this sorry the, for cutting you off. I was going to say this is the start of phase three. Yeah, I wanted to bring that up. Uh, so this is the now. Are we currently in still in phase three with the most recent Marvel films, or have we moved? Yes, to, we are. Yeah. Okay. So so well, the end of phase three is going to be Infinity War, or is that the start of phase four? No, end of phase three. Okay. So something to tell our listeners also. Um, now, because um, Avengers: Infinity War has been brought forward. Um, about two, three weeks release. So um, the podcast, what we're going to do um, for about two weeks... We're going to have some double apps. We're going to have some double apps. Not on the same day, but like on the Monday release something, and then on yeah, Thursday release... we're just going to crank them out. That way, so when Avengers gets... Sorry, when Avengers Infinity War gets released on Wednesday the 25th... Um, the following week we're going to have... We're g- following week we're going to be having our Avengers Infinity War sort of uh, podcast episode. Yeah, and I imagine it... I, look, I imagine it's going to be a big one. Yeah, and our Thor Ragnarok episode, um, because we already did Black Panther, but our Thor Ragnarok and also sort of catch up on everything, which is previously in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, Please never do that voice again. That was a lot. I will do it again. <laughs> previously in oh, the Marvel God. Cinematic Universe. What, what have I signed up for? Um, that will be released on the day that Avengers Infinity War is released. So yeah. Awesome. Um, that's the news for our listeners. Yeah. Um, so how did you feel about when the trailers of this film came out and they had those trailers that really rubbed the fact they had Spider-Man in our faces? Because you're a big Spidey well, fan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a big Spider-Man fan. I, like, <laughs> I bleed Spider-Man. Um, you might want to get that checked out. No, it's just red and blue. Again, people that's have, not that's people not people have red and blue veins. Yeah, but blue blood isn't isn't particularly healthy, I assume. I'm not a doctor. That just means I'm rich. <laughs> Alright. Yeah, so how did you feel about this this that trailer? Um with... Well that's the thing, I can't remember I'm pretty sure the trailer that had Spidey in it was one of the second trailers. I think it was. And there wasn't much of him, but it was sort of like we have Spider Man, he's in this went film. Bananas when that trailer came out because it was, you know, Superhero pose and the eyes move properly like the comic. Yeah, they nailed it. They, it's funny they how... They have nailed the costume. It's funny how easily Marvel seems to be able to do things that other people have always had difficulty with. Like, exactly. the Spider-Man costume's always been tricky to get right, and they just, in one foul swoop, freaking nail it. Amazing. Yeah. And the whole, like, him grabbing Cap's shield and holding it, it's just like... Chef kiss? Chef kiss. All right, well... Sorry, no... Whip kiss. Oh, that was that was a lot. Um, do we want to maybe talk about? Don't the, make me web up your mouth. Do we want to talk about what Rotten Tomatoes for this film? Uh, yep, ninety-one percent. Wow. Okay. So as That's we mentioned on previous episodes, very good. We just use Rotten Tomatoes as a general premise. Um, as of lately, Rotten Tomatoes is not the greatest because people. Well, it's not Rotten Tomatoes' fault that that. Assholes have decided that they're just going to mobilize mobs to yeah, fuck they, with reviews. Yeah, they mobilize on mass and downvote various um, films that they feel are too PC. Yeah, usually films that have like Black Panther, for example, a lead of color. It's yeah. almost as if these people are racist to dicks. dicks. Almost. Yes, or hate women. Yeah. Um, but anyway, look if you if you drill down into the various pages the. Rotten Tomatoes page for each stuff. It it's not it's actually a pretty good tool in that it's a site which has all the reviews collated in one area. I personally don't overly use Rotten Tomatoes. I use um, 
it's called Letterbox. Yes. Yeah, which is great for finding all sorts of reviews and you can do your own reviews. And you can check and also sort of check in when you've watched something as your film diary. Sounds like a promo for... For, for Letterboxd. For Letterboxd. Sponsor. Promo. No, um... Okay, well, 91's very good. Yes. That's, yeah, that's In the grand scheme of things of all the Marvel Cinematic yep. Universe. And also compared to the other Cap films. It's doing quite well. Yeah. But I feel like that might be the Avengers 2.5 factor. Yeah, and I'm keen to talk with that... Uh, <clears throat> with you about that in pickups. But, uh, before, look, before we wrap up context... Ha- how do you feel about talking about the killer cast? Because it's, it's like a big cast. Well, it is a big cast, and I feel like they manage them well. Hmm. And if they manage them well for this, I oh, in the Russo's I trust for Avengers Infinity War. Well, so we've got all the usual offenders in terms of actors. Chris Evans as Captain America, Scarlett Johansson yeah. as Black Widow, uh, Don Cheadle as War Machine, uh... I was about to say Tony Stark as Iron Man, but of course Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Uh, Now, I think more noticeable... uh, Oh, and of course Sebastian Stan as the Winter Soldier. Yep. Now, we of course have Tom Holland making his debut as Spider-Man. Yes. As one of the... And we also have uh, Martin Freeman making his debut as Everett Ross. He wasn't in it that much. I think yeah. they only wanted to have him a little bit, and then he was going to get fleshed out more in Black Panther, which he did. Now, uh, someone else who was in this film was the actor who played Zemo. Yes. Who I'm just quickly bringing up now because I can't for the life of me remember his name. Ah, oh, here we go. I believe it is a Daniel Brühl. Yeah, Daniel Brühl. Um, he's... The first film I saw him in was in Tarantino's... Inglorious Bastards. Inglori- Inglorious Bastards. Bastards. That's, Bastards. Did he play the, um, the, like, the Nazi war hero? He played the Nazi war hero. That's right. Who killed all... Who, like, but was a sniper. since that film, I've seen him in a lot of European, like, films, like Euro... Tr- not Euro Trash, but Euro Films. Yes, he's had that um, sort of look at... Like, he yeah, looks very he's European. he's been in a lot of foreign films. Um, I think... I think maybe um, Avengers. I mean, he's been doing American films, Western mm-hmm. films, but I feel like Ameri- I feel like um, was this maybe his biggest American role, if nothing. Yeah, else? if anything. Um, so I realized I made a big oversight, and I forgot to mention Chadwick Boseman making his debut as Black Panther. Yes, Chadwick Boseman made his debut as Black Panther in it as well as um, I'm trying to figure out. Uh, there's a few from. Black Panther's cast in this. There was Chadwick Boseman. Yes. Was, um, it, was the actress from The Walking Dead who plays his... No. Yeah, I, I noticed that she wasn't in it. Something else I noticed was that when his... Um, is it Dora... Med- oh, what is the name of his the Dora Majai. Yeah, there's a mem- one of the members of them, but um, she doesn't have the head tattoo. Yeah, uh, wait, does she? I know she doesn't. She's just a bold woman. It might be, it might be just like an incognito thing or something. I, I um, feel it was again that they hadn't figured out how they want them to look. That's what, that's what I reckon it was. I, I don't think so. But I think look, I'm, I'm, just, I but yeah, we should talk Florence, about it a little bit more. Um, Florence Kasumba, who yep. plays uh, oh, a, a yo, a yo, I think. Um, also, yeah, um, uh, T'Challa's. Father is in this, um, John Carney. Yeah, who, who plays T'Chaka. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The older version, not the younger version. The younger version. Was that played by someone else? Well, the younger... So, 
Um, John Carney mm-hmm. um, in Black Panther, his son plays the younger version of T'Chaka. Ah, oh, that was his son. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just older T'Chaka in this film. Okay. Mm. All right, so now it's time for pickups where we go through the film and sort of talk about uh, things that stood out to us on this watch. A lot of the time, they're things that sort of take. Uh, too many watches to pick up so in most of the cases this is the third fourth sometimes fifth time we're seeing these films uh, it means we pick up things that you wouldn't necessarily pick up on a, a, a first or even second viewing mm. how many times have you seen this film now Billy? probably five okay this is my third so okay. it's still reasonably fresh for me alright cool oh look uh, let's jump in first thing I'd like to talk about is Black Panther Yes, so Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther. How did you feel about him in this film? I really enjoyed him being in this film. Um, I mean, I was surprised as everyone else, like when it got announced that he was going to be in the film, which mm. is great. I liked that, it, like we got to meet his dad even for a little bit. Yes. Yeah, I um, think I really. It's funny that in sort of less than a minute, they really make you believe. And they really sell this relationship between him and his dad. And you really buy his pain mm. when he's trying to avenge his father. Yeah. Um, no, look, I really I really enjoyed it. But, I mean, it was very much like a... I mean, you knew going into this film it wasn't going to be a focus on him as much. It was just yeah. him getting revenge. Whereas everything else... It, I mean, he was going to get more of a focus in Black Panther. Yeah, I, you know what? What I noticed, though, is like... On this rewatch, it felt very obvious that it was white people writing him, because he felt very vanilla. Whereas when Ryan just getting revenge, it could have been easily mm. been someone else getting revenge. Yeah, and when Ryan Coogler was handling the reins, because Ryan Coogler is an African American, he could actually bring some of that experience into the character, and it really elevated the film. I feel like I think I don't know if Ryan Coogler was announced at that time. I don't think he. I think we only knew we were getting a that's Black Panther film. Yeah, that's why we didn't get much interaction between sort of Black Panther and Ayoha uh, Ayo yeah um, his bodyguard um, whereas you know in the in the Black Panther movie you get more of an interaction with the bodyguard yeah she's so. sort of one of the main his main allies in that film yeah yeah it just it felt vanilla and so in one of the after credits stingers Captain America is in Wakanda mm. and you did you notice in that scene that the sort of technology in Wakanda looked very different to how it actually looks in Black Panther yeah, I mean, uh, the the lab that they were in looked mm. very different. But they didn't show anything of the city. Yes, and again, uh, like we mentioned in Ant-Man, I think a lot of the time they sort of deliberately show you stuff when they haven't ironed out the concept and they yeah, show like you a small glimpse. Of, the black back of someone's head or something. Yeah, like, like cutting someone out in a photo or showing you like a prototype suit. Mm. So they show you just a little bit so they have license to actually flesh it out later. Yeah. Um because basically that's what came across to me in this film was that the Black Panther stuff was half-baked because, you know, he hasn't had a film yet to flesh it all out and to solidify his aesthetic and what Wakandan technology looks like. Mm. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, jump into another character now. Let's just... Look, let's jump into Cap. Yeah. Because he... Look, I was about to say the star of this film. I'm not sure... I'm not sure he is. Billy, do you think this is a Cap film or do you think it's an Avengers film? I think it's both, but, but how it's. Can mo- it, <laughs> Let me speak. Okay. Um, I you, feel like you're it's wrong, both. though, Billy. No, it's I'm hard not. to hear me talk I'm when not. you're wrong. But I'm I'm not. Go I ahead. I mean, the film's called Captain America: Civil War, so it's clearly a cap film. No, it's it, it is 
it does feel like a a thinly thinly veiled version of the Civil War comic. Yes, similar thing. Cap doesn't like the fact that I mean he comes from a period where people have um, ideas and also um, hidden agendas and stuff, and the fact that he'd be the Avengers were, are meant to be autonomous. Yes. And, you know, there, but the problem is there's no oversight now because there's no S.H.I.E.L.D. There's no World Security Council. Yeah, so it's the who watches the Watchmen thing. Yeah. And it's interesting, Captain America has a very sort of libertarian view of it, which is that we know what we're doing and we, we can be trusted. Yeah, whereas Tony... I'm Okay, I'm going to put this out, right? I'm yeah. Team, I'm Team Cap in this. And I, look, well, I was I Team th- Cap in the comics I, as well. As was I, but I think this movie, ri- like... As did the comic rigs it so you can't help but go for Cap. Like Tony no, is the, yeah, but also the no, villain. you could easily go team Tony as well in that the you know there should be some sort of balance and like training and stuff like that. But there should be more training in a like obviously like with Scarlet Witch, if she had been more trained in her powers, she wouldn't have like you know thrown the bomb. Yeah, I think what annoyed me when they had, like, when the Avengers are showing the montage of all the collateral damage they do, it's like, in all those cases, the stakes were the world. So yeah. it's like, oh, so you're getting shitty, some people died when everyone could die? I don't know, I just felt like the argument for registration, especially sort of Tony Tony Stark's motivation for it, felt very personal, mm. you know, and... But see, also, we've noticed Tony in all the films is, like, when something happens, he, like immediately gets stuck into something he's very reactionary yeah he's very reactionary i mean he can be a little bit i guess the opposite of reactionary like planning like stubborn yeah but he can be he's very reactionary in these films and it's very much like i have to save the world it's me yeah i'm the smartest person in the room and what i think what annoys me is the fact that they're sort of acting like sokovia was everyone's fault really like in my mind that was tony stark's fault tony stark needs oversight cap's fine yeah. Cap consistently makes good calls. Like, that's part of the character is he chooses what's right. Exactly. Um, I guess the thing that this movie did that Civil War didn't, which does make it a little bit more Cap-centric, I'll admit, is the fact that it's very much centred on the Cap-Bucky relationship. Yeah, it very much is. Um, and he's still looking for Bucky uh, with uh, Sam. They're both still looking for Bucky. I mean, it's set a few years after... Uh, yeah, the, I two I think two years ago. Uh, yeah, I think it's set like two years after Avengers: Age of Ultron. Oh, Age of I thought it was two years after Winter Soldier. Sorry, Winter Soldier. Because I think it's Sam Wil- Sam Wilson mentions to Black Widow yeah, that sorry. are you the same person who two years ago told Congress or whatever to yeah. you know to to stick it. Um. Yeah. Look, that that is very much in the middle. The cap, the Bucky Cap relationship as well. Yeah, and that's why I feel it isn't just an Avengers film; it's a Cap film. I guess what I struggled with is that Cap doesn't get. I would say maybe Cap gets sixty percent of the screen time. Yeah, I mean, he could have have used more screen. Yeah, which means I would say Tony Stark gets twenty to thirty percent, and this is meant to be a Cap film. Like Cap doesn't get. Cap never got that much, you know, in or any it's sort like of appearance when, in, the, in the Iron Man film. It's like when you're reading a Cap comic and the Avengers are guest starring in the comic and it's not probably proper, properly written. Yes. Yeah, okay. And I, 
And I think not, I, that, not that it's saying that that's it's a bad film. I really enjoyed this film. Look, I enjoyed it, but I definitely find the more I watch this film, the more I notice the cracks. The fact that they're juggling so many characters, the fact that the motivations feel very muddy, and that really hit me on this on this third watch. Okay. All right, but what did you want to talk about, Billy? What's the um, you well, I wanted about? to talk about some characters. Like, I wanted to talk about the fact that Black Widow is continues to be great when directed by the Russos. Yes, compared I compared to the other. Films. I agree with you. I thought the fact she was on Tony Stark's team made zero sense, given where she was at the end of Civil War. I'm uh, no, sorry, no, at the I'm, end of sorry, Winter Soldier. Yeah, I know, but I get it. I get that she's being pragmatic in that, like. She, Rather than fight, she's thinking of it like, do this, and then we can work our shit out within type thing. I can look. I can see. Like work within the system. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but look, it just came across as, for me as a viewer, it felt like that they decided. All right, like in the Marvel planning room or whatever, if such a thing exists, that they decided. The like Black Widow, Iron Man, War Machine, blah on this team, Cap, blah blah on this team, and no, then she's having like I feel like she's having a crisis of conscience as well because I mean she did that whole thing with Shield, but then like uh, in in that two years time she has changed a bit. You know what? To me, it still felt plot driven, not character driven. I did like, however, that like she didn't come to uh, the UK for the signing. It, I mean that was on the way, but she went to the UK. For Cap, because Cap needed a friend. I like that. Yeah, that I like was that nice. she has essentially become one of Cap's good friends. Yeah, I I think it was important they had that scene because such for me like one of the highlights of Captain America Winter Soldier is his relationship with Black Widow and yeah. their friendship and the way it evolves and the way they sort of learn a mutual respect for each other even though they do things very differently. Um, did you want to talk about his love interest? Like, what is there to say? She's like a generic person that kiss. Yeah, look, I mean, I feel like that was a little bit forced upon. I mean, just because it's been two years since the Winter Soldier. Yeah, and then suddenly they're, sm- they're smooching. Yeah, it was a bit weird. Like, I get it in the heat of the moment, but it was very... I don't know. It was just... It felt manufactured. Yeah. Because... But I didn't mind it, because, I mean, I know of the characters, Sharon Carter and... Yeah, Steve of course. In the comics, comics they're... They're, you know, like... Almost husband and wife, Yeah. So, but it just, it just felt a little bit forced. Okay. Who did you want to talk about next? Or what did you want to talk about? Um, so, I would like to uh, talk about something I already touched on, which is how gosh dang muddy the character motivations are in this film. Okay. Uh, well, Speak. And inconsistent. So, a great example, which I'm pretty sure I brought up earlier, was... Uh, a big motivator for Tony Stark in this film is he finds out that his actions in Sokovia led to the death of basically someone his who child. Con- yeah, someone who confronted him, like yeah. his mother. Which is a beat straight out of the Civil War comic that yeah. motivates Tony Stark throughout that book. The difference here, though, is that he recruits, and it's a big deal about him recruiting Spider-Man to fight Cap, and Spider-Man's like 14? Yeah, so it seems weird like... to me that he's like, oh, a kid died... And now I'm yeah. going to recruit, put a kid in danger. But see, I take it as that, like, you know, he's recruiting Spidey because he doesn't want Spidey to do something stupid, like, on his own. What, like, take on Captain America? I don't know. Like, he's training, he's training Spidey. Uh, look, to me, that was just a big misstep. And it, it seems weird to me that no one was like, wait, this, this feels very inconsistent. 
I think for me, like Black Widow, as I said, I never really bought why she was on uh, Tony Stark's side. Um, and her betrayal, like when she betrays or helps Cap by taking out um, Black Panther. Yeah. That just felt like, again, something very mechanical. Because you're always, I mean, in the original uh, Civil War comic, uh, the Judas or the person who switches sides is Spider-Man, which yeah. is from Iron Man's side, the Cap side. So Black Widow sort of plays this role in this film. Yeah. Uh, another great, another sort of money motivation thing is it seems weird that Ant-Man was so okay with being a criminal after the big conflict in his film with him cleaning up for his daughter and now suddenly he's fine going to war with Iron Man to help Cap on a whim. So it just felt like all these all these uh, characters were pieces being pushed together to have this big fight. Okay. Do, do you agree with, are you do you agree or are you are you able to overlook that when you watch the film or do you, do you think I'm barking up the wrong tree? Uh Look, I can see it. There is, there was going to be a fight. I get it. I get it. The whole splitting up of the Avengers. Mm. I get that. Um, I don't think it would, was manufactured, as you say. Okay. I did think it felt natural for the story. Um, there are people who are very, like, you know, want oversight. Like you saw, like, fucking Vision. Yes. Yeah. And I, Scarlet Witch arguing. I just think that they didn't let the tension boil up enough to, to warrant the huge well, I, collapse in yeah, relationship. Yeah, but it, it feels like that's what that's what happens when you have a two and a half hour film. You can't... Okay. You need a longer time for yeah, that that's sort a, of tension that's, to build that's a, that's a fair point, and I'll give you that one. Right, I wanted to talk about Tony. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, look, we've, we've mentioned all about him before, his motivations and everything and all that. I don't know, it's just... I know what you mentioned, how you said, like, he's meant to, like... You meant to dislike him in this film. Yeah, I think he's purposely being set up as like the the, the almost villain, like the pseudo villain, along with Zemo. But I feel like all in all the films leading up to this, I'm kind of getting over Tony. I'm enjoying the other characters more. You know what? And I think they sort of addressed it in this film when Tony Stark mentioned that he got rid of all his suits and then basically just undid what happened in Iron Man 3 because he liked it too much. I think it was almost the movie was like, yeah, we've we've done everything we can with this character. He's just static now. Yeah, and even like when Black Widow says, can you like look past your goddamn ego for one second? Mm, like, like, every, like all three Iron Man films are about him overcoming his ego. ego. And it's still a thing. One thing I thought was, I don't know why, but it just looked off when he had his armour on, but, but the head off. Yeah, yeah. Helmet I off. Would agree. It looked weird. It was almost like someone had just CGI photoshopped his head mm. on and it was a little bit off. I think it's because his shoulders were so damn broad. Yeah. Um, on that fight, though, I found out something, the, the airplane fight. Yep. Um, so Captain America Civil War... It's apparently the first film to use IMAX's digital 2D cameras. Okay. Which are like made in partnership with a company called Ari, which are customized versions of the Ari Alexa 65. So, like, yeah, that film, that bit in the airport um, was shot with those cameras, which I thought was kind of cool. So, like, you know, for our friends that are like uh, fans of cinematography, that they were that Captain Civil was the first one to use the IMAX's digital two D cameras. Okay. Yeah. 
I guess the, if any scene warranted, it is the airport scene when we get that wonderful giant man fight scene. Oh my god, that is amazing. Which is, yeah, great. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. Um, so, look, let's, let's return to Tony. I agree, yeah. he looks goofy as fuck when yes. he's, it's just his head uh, in the, and in it was the just, suit. It was just, I don't know, there was something about it, and I noticed this time around. It's just, yeah, no, I I wonder if they maybe had to skimp on the armor budget a little bit because it didn't look as good as it usually does because they had so many other things that they had. Exactly, and a lot of the times the budget for Iron Man is like two hundred fifty million, and that's for just his entire suit yeah. mostly. And they had him, they had War Machine, they had like Giant Man, and we mentioned as like we mentioned earlier, he's not in his suit for a lot of this film as well. Also, he's single. Yeah, that felt very much like we couldn't get Gwyneth Paltrow, so now we need to work it into the story. Yeah, so apparently, um, her with Iron Man three, her contract uh, contract expired. had run out. Um, they were thinking about getting her for this film, but I feel like it would have been too much of a hard effort. So, she, I think she was at that point where she didn't want to make films anymore she was kind of paying out superhero films a bit which was weird but didn't isn't she in homecoming right at the end doesn't yeah. he propose to us so it it was just like make up your damn mind in like marvel is this character well, still in the universe yeah well look we all know those couples that are break up and get back together yeah like yeah I, I guess it just feels off when you know it's because it's directly related to an actor's availability rather than like yeah where and also homecoming story. was literally straight after um, Civil, Civil War. War. Yeah. Or I feel like it was maybe a couple of months or a couple yeah. of weeks. So who knows? They, they made up after a couple of months. Yeah. Um, anyway. But yeah, look, Tony's arc is basically him just giving in to his worst nature because at the end he chooses to fight Cap out and of then, anger. Yeah, and then, oh yeah, when he gets there There's no reason. Yeah. his parents are killed we're, by... We're killed by Bucky. He, yeah. he fights Cap because he's angry and he's pissed off for no other reason. And he, he knows he's playing into Zemo's hand, but he does it anyway. Yeah. Whereas... Zenger. Yeah. I, Who needs oversight there? Well, again, it's it seems weird to me that how come Cap has to be punished because Iron Man needs oversight. Yeah. Um, yeah, who did you want to... What did you want to talk about next? Look, uh, I actually realised... Look, I did pay out a lot of the character motivation, so I just want to bring up, again, Black Panther. I think his arc was good. I really like the end point where he sort of sums up and realizes after witnessing vengeance consume Iron Man and mm-hmm. consume Zemo. He doesn't want it to consume. Yes, him. and I thought that was a really nice character moment that sort of showed off the strength of of T'Challa and Black Panther. This and idea it that leads where he starts off in. Black in Panther the film, of film, course. Yeah. It, I think it really makes it clear that this is a character who is seeking wisdom and actively wants to change and be better. And yeah. I, mean, I mean, he even says that in the. Black Panther film. Like yeah. His whole thing is he wants to be a better king. Where, and it's such a refreshing antidote compared to Tony Stark, who, you know, is always ego-driven and stubborn, mm. and compared to Captain America, who is already as good, you know, at the peak point of his morality. It's great to have a character who continually wants to sort of learn and seek wisdom. I'm looking forward to Tony being not being the smartest person in the room. Oh. Um, in Avengers Infinity War. That'll be interesting. I, look, I hope they play it well. I hope he's. I hope he doesn't come across too much of a dick. I found Charles him. sister will be like, on it, bitch. Because <laughs> you know no. what? I found him insufferable in Homecoming. He's oh. too much. Um, all right. Shall we move on to Vision and Scarlet? Yeah. Witch? So I mean, for the most most part of the film, like 
that they're in. Um, Vision and Scarlet Witch are together. Well, it's, it's not, not exactly together. Oh, sorry. Uh, it's relative. physically in the same space. Physically in the same space. And um, they... Like, and Scarlet Witch doesn't realise this until near the end. Like, when before Hawkeye breaks her out. That she's under lock and key. Yeah, she's essentially being held under house arrest. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's that growing bond between the two of them. Because they're the newest Avengers, the two of them, as well. Yeah. Again, it felt a bit like the Steve Rogers and Sharon Carter thing, where it's because in the comics they have this legendary yeah, so in, ongoing yeah. romance so that the they comics. sort of force it in the film. And I I would have liked to see maybe a scene where we see them connect a little bit more. They yeah. just... Didn't just the film sort of picks up with they already sort of had this tension. So in the in the in the comics, um, the Scarlet Witch and the Vision have been a couple for years and years and Are years. Are they currently together? Uh, no, they're not. Yeah, I didn't think they were. So I mean, and from the looks of the trailer in the Avengers Infinity War trailer, yeah, I think the Scarlet Witch is sort of looking after the Vision, okay. hiding him from from Thanos. Thanos, yeah, who wants to yeah. take his Infinity Gem? Well, I mean, I didn't realize this. Um, Apparently, leading up to Infinity War, um, so literally everyone that's on Cap's team is still on the run. Interesting. At the end, I mean, the at the end of Captain America: Civil War, like every it's Cap's team and they're on the run. From what I've read, at the point of Infinity War, they're just doing avenging stuff. But so it's like the Secret Avengers thing where they're doing almost, it underground. Yeah, Secret Avengers, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I I do like that idea, and I hope that we get a little bit of screen time of them doing some like co-op missions and fighting villains, and also having to stay under the radar of uh, mm. Tony Stark and the government. Um, so were you a fan of their relationship on screen? Did you buy it? I mean, I got them um, the bit where like you know they're trying to cook. I got that the budding friendship, but it didn't look anything at all like a relationship. That, that's how I felt. Also, can we... How did you think about Vision wearing those, like... Uh, the shirt with, like, a jumper? I thought it looked really goofy. Yeah. Especially because I don't think... The Vision makeup... Something about the Vision makeup, it just looks lame to me. It just looks very... Silly. Yes, very silly. I, so when I saw this in the cinema, Billy, I, I have a distinct moment. And I think this is the exact moment where I realised I was burnt out on superhero films. It's in the airport scene when Team Cap and Team Iron Man are running at each other and everyone's in costume and, you know, there's a couple of people flying and I remember thinking in my head, I'm like, well, this is just silly, isn't it? No, it's not. And at that point, I was... At that point, I've never been able to shake that thought. So It is not silly. <laughs> Although, one of my friends has always said, these events where they have villain, heroes versus heroes, like, you just want to read the stories about the villains doing... Oh, doing like shady shit while this is going shady on. Shit on the side, which is great. Yeah, no, it's funny how what there's always it? like an amnesty, like a villain amnesty when this goes on. There's, we might look. There's one series which I will mention in regards to that at the end of the yeah. show. In our, in our segment, uh, which yeah, is if, if you, you like, like this, this, read this. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I'm trying to think about what else I wanted to talk about. Could well, could I bring up something? Yeah, sure. I wanted to bring up Ant Man. Bring up Ant Man. What did you think of Ant Man? Um. He's the best part of this film, in my opinion. I think seeing Paul Rudd get to interact... Like, Paul Rudd bring his sort of goofy, goofy aesthetic to, you know, to these other characters. And grabbing Steve's arms. So good. That just made... Now I'm, I'm concerned, because I don't think Ant-Man's going to be in 
Infinity War. We don't know that. Are you talking about the trailer and the He's not in the trailer, the he's not in the poster. Yeah, neither well, is Hawkeye. Yeah, neither is Hawkeye, unless you go via the... the stupid fucking Hawkeye posters. No, if you the, the one the one that we post on Geek of Oz. Yeah, where it's everyone swapped out for Hawkeye. Yeah. Yeah. I love that poster. It's amazing. I, you know what? I think they should have just retired Hawkeye. I think the specific but you don't know what's going to happen should have, in Avengers Infinity War. I think they need to bring in a Kate Bishop Hawkeye and retire Jeremy, Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye. No, if they do that, they're going to have to bring in all the young Avengers, not just Kate Bishop. <sighs> Alright, look, that's... Do you, well, what other young Avengers do you want to see on screen? All of them. Young Avengers is the best. Okay, I knew I was thought there might have been a particular, char- particular character that you uh, thought... Wiccan and Hawkeland? Okay, I, that's what I was thought. Because okay. there's not that many sort of gay couples in comics mm. so it's always nice to see when when they're done well um back to the marvel Cinematic sorry all right i'm back all right we're back um yeah i really liked him in this film i liked how he gets out of the like out of the the van and he's like super tired yes and yeah he's like awkward with cap and then the giant like the fact that he sort of saves the day with the giant here you go stuff. captain america yeah like it's ah. Uh, oh no i thought that was a rudd. water truck that's right peak rudd um, yeah, like, and the Giant Man stuff was great, because no, like, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't either. It was a great, I think it was a really good use of... It was a good, like, yes! Yeah, like, a, oh, I'm so glad they brought in this aspect of the character, and what a wonderful way to do it, mm. to bring in this new power. Yeah, that was great. Alright, I want to talk about my favourite part. I was about to say, I feel like you've been itching to talk about this character. Yeah, Spider-Man. So he was your favourite part of this film? Yes, for the most part, because yeah. I am a Spider-Man fan. I mean, everyone keeps talking about how Spider-Man 2, the one with Dr. Octopus, is the best Spider-Man film and the best superhero film. I do not agree with that. Well, what do you think is the best Spider-Man film, then? Spider-Man Homecoming is the best Spider-Man film. Okay, so you're all on board for the Marvel version. Yeah. Inclu- in- fe- featuring Hot Art May, which is... This no, look, I like that it's a modern take. It's Aunt May that's, like... In this, Pete is st- Peter is still a high school student, so you know he's a- yeah he's aunt's not going to be that old yeah and I mean the thing is his aunt is old in the comics because they made it back in the day when like uh you know he has to take care of his decrepit old aunt type thing whereas you know the modern version which is the, even the um the Ultimate Universe it's his young go getter auntie I I like the fact that it's this- you know. I thought it was a bit, almost like, a bit gross how much, like, how much the script addresses the fact that she's, like, hot. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, Tony. Yeah, it's just Tony. gross. It's I, like, I love my, that like, she was giving it back to him, yeah. It's like, yeah, we all come in, we come in all shapes and sizes. Oh. I was like, do we, like, can't you just cast an attractive lady as the aunt and we not, like, have to, like, address how hot she is? Like, I like the fact that they didn't cast someone that's old as well. Like, as in, like, usually, like, it's it's so shitty. They'll, they'll cast a male actor that's, like, say, 40 as, as the yeah, as younger. old As younger. But then there's the same actress that's the same age as the male actor mm. uh, cast as the really old person. Yes. Which, yeah. Uh, look, I love Marissa Tomei. She's great. Like, yeah. she's, she's good in this film. I just don't like the way that... The way that she's, um... Written. In, in, in terms of like, the other characters interacting with yeah, her. Yeah, um, look, I really enjoyed her in this. Um, and, yeah, look, Peter, Peter Parker is amazing. 
in his Tom Hardy's. I think great. what I like about Tom Holland is I actually believe he's a teenager. Yeah, same. And well, he is. He's twenty one. Well, well, yeah. He's young. Whereas, like Toby Maguire, always felt like a thirty year old trying to blend in in a high school. Yeah, but yeah, look, I mean, the swinging, the powers, the web, everything. I loved it. Yeah, I think the way they handled him with that, like action and kept the character moving and the web so dynamic was was great. And the talking non-stop while fighting. That was the, a bit much. That, but that's how he is in the comics. I, yeah, I know. He doesn't stop talking. It I annoys know. his villains into fucking up. That's true. And like, I mean, uh, what, sorry, um, Sam Wilson does address that as well. Like, yes. you know, Do you the, ever shut up? Oh, no, I think he says like, usually people don't talk this much during oh, fights. Oh, Sorry. It's great. Do you remember that really old movie? Ah, uh, yeah, the Star Wars reference. I love that. That ham-fisted Star Wars No, reference. that was amazing. Mm. I loved it. Uh, but yeah, look, I really enjoyed Spider-Man. And I'm going to talk non-stop in regards to when we get Spider-Man, Spider-Man Homecoming. Right. Yeah. Well, shall we finish up pickups by talking about one last character very quickly? Yes. That's a, uh, I'm not going to say big bad villain, because he's not that, not that big and not that evil. Zemo. Yeah, so Zemo is pretty much the person getting revenge, calculating. Yeah, but... He's very calculating in this film. But it comes from a really personal place. Yeah, I mean, look, Zemo is one of my favourite films in the comics. I kind of really wanted to see the... What, the purple... The purple... uh, Purple pink sock mask. Um, But look, I like that he's still alive at the end of the film, so that, you know, he could be a villain again. Yeah. Getting revenge on Cap again, or the Avengers, or something. But I like that, I like that, although he did very evil things, the character didn't come across as evil. He was just, like, his motivation was really understandable. He's someone at the end of his road, in that he's lost everything, and he feels like he has nothing left to live for. Yeah, so therefore he's okay with committing this heinous act. I mean, yeah, I mean, this the entire time during the film, you think he's actually speaking to someone. Oh on yeah, the the, phone, until the, you realise at the end, he's right. just it's a phone to, message. Yeah, he's just listening to the last recordings he has of his family. Because I think the misdirect they're trying to make is that he's sort of an ex, uh, he's an ex Sarkovian, uh, like I think special ops. Yeah. So I think they're trying to make it seem like he's he is trying to like do a mission. Yeah. When really, yeah, he's just a man who is trying to deal with his pain. Yeah. No, and I I thought that was really good and I liked the fact that I almost felt sympathy for him at the end where he was sort of was about to kill himself yeah like he'd done all these things and, and for him his path was done yeah and so he's ready to end it all and I liked that T'Challa stopped him yeah well I, and again I think that played well into T'Challa's arc of T'Challa shows mercy but he also believes in justice exactly so he's not going to kill Zemo himself he's past that yeah but he, he isn't he isn't going to let Zemo get off easy which in his mind is Zemo taking his own life yeah. Alright, well, I think that's all for pickups this Alright, so shall we talk about the uh Oh sorry, credits. that's right. Yeah. Post credits. Well we've Alright, so our first post credits scene. Yeah, the post credits for this film is uh, or mid credit scene is um uh Bucky given asylum in Wakanda. That's right, and then and he, he gets cryogenically frozen. Yeah, he chooses to go into cryogenic slip until they find a cure for his brainwashing uh yeah and of course here we see the wakandan lab which looks very different to the wakandan technology we get in black panther yeah and then our second uh teaser is spider-man related yes um and it's spider-man like sort of 
nursing his wounds and the black eye he got from Cap. That's right, the joke and, about uh, getting beaten up from by Steve from, from Brooklyn. Brooklyn. And then, you know, looking at his gauntlet and he accidentally presses the Spider-Man light signal, which is kind of cool. That's a and that plays a, Yeah, and that, and that also plays a big part in Homecoming as well, mm. where he's sort of messing around with the technology. Yeah. Um. All right. And finally, my least favourite part of this damn show is Stan Watch. I really enjoyed this Stan cameo. Tony Stank is hilarious. Oh, yeah, that's right. Where he um. So he turns up as a FedEx employee delivering a package, which is essentially... A uh, a letter from Cap. A letter from Cap and a phone for... Um, like a burner phone, essentially. A burner phone. Cap's become for, a weed dealer. Yes, for Tony to, you know, if Tony ever needs a fix, to call in Cap. <laughs> but yeah, it's a... Well, Stanley accidentally reads it out as Tony Stank. I, I thought that was fucking hilarious. I, yeah, I did. I cringed. I laughed. I so thought much. it wasn't like... Because then Rhodey's just letting it not right. I think Don Cheadle, like, play, like... Don Cheadle's reaction is the best. Yeah, I think it's Don Cheadle sells it, but the actual like line from freaking ham-fisted Stan, who who can't act, was absolutely crazy. Tony Stank. Yeah, like, ugh. Not a fan. All right, well then, I think it's up to our last bit of the show. Yeah, if you liked this, read this. So, what are some comics that you want to mention? All right, well... This is a no-brainer pick, but it's the original Civil War comic, I believe, from 2006 by... Mark Miller. Yeah, and Steve McNiven on art. Mm. Uh, now, Mark Miller's a fairly polarizing figure in comics. Uh, he does some things he's well. Very, he's very much like, he'll... Great story, but then ties it up all in a nice, neat bow right at the end. But it's like, wow, why, why? Yeah, also, I mean, he's he doesn't always write women characters the best. Oh, no, he does uh, not. He's sort of like a in-your-face sort of guy. I mean, he like, he's a creative kicker, so that kind of gives you an idea of how subtle he isn't. And, I mean, Civil War, I'll be honest, the dialogue isn't the best, uh, but the plot and the action is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the characterization of Cap, I, I quite like in this, the fact that Cap is very sort of... okay. Uh, stubbornly opposed to Superhero Registration Act. Okay. Um, I... Well, you took my Civil War mention. Yeah. I, I feel like, well, it's the... It's it's you have to. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm going to mention Edward Baker's run on Cap, because yeah. it feels like a lot of the MCU Cap is based off yes. Edward Baker's and that, run. And that, of course, run coincided with when Civil War happened, so there's That's plenty well, of tie-ins. Yeah. And it, we've definitely talked about this run a lot, because you're right, like, all pretty much all the Captain America movies... Take their inspiration from, from Brubaker's run. Yeah, Brubaker's run. I feel like, in terms of like all-time influential runs, like it's one. It's got to be near the top, right? Yeah. Um, the other one I want to mention is Secret Avengers. Yeah. Any particular run you wanted to point um, to? You know, my favorite run. It's written by. Is it the Rick Remender by any chance? Yes, Remender run. Um, just because it's it's. I mean, that's pretty much where we've seen Cap at the end of the film. Yeah, he's going to start Secret Avengers. He's going yeah. underground with a team. Yeah, um, and I feel like this is sort of that, like covert sort of stuff. Yeah, cool. No, I think it's, I think the Secret Avengers concept's really cool because it's almost like the, it's got the Black Ops elements of Suicide Squad, but you have character and but characters. Are, well, yeah, characters are working outside the law, but still have that superhero morality and how mm. you navigate that. Okay. I think it's really, really interesting. 
Um, what have you got any other suggestions? Look, I'm just several while this week. I racked my brain. I couldn't really think of anything else that would be a good sort of a companion if you happen to like this movie. So, look, I'd recommend checking out Mark Miller's Civil War. It's a it's a good popcorn read, if nothing else. Yeah. All right, so that's been us this week. Uh, you can find us on Wushaka. Or, or on Google iTunes. us. Yeah, on iTunes as well. Just Google to, to Infinity War and Beyond. Yep. Um, you can find me on Twitter as Aqualake. You can find yourself... Yeah, on Twitter as Weekly... At Weekly Geek. Or you can find us on Geek of Oz on Twitter or on Facebook as Geek of Oz or our website geekofoz.com. Yeah, too easy. Well, till next time, Billy. See ya.